Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. I am going to continue in this next range of episodes to read from Watchman Nee's classic book, The Normal Christian Life. Now, last year I read in a series called One Off, uh, numbers 1 through 9.0, on the dates October 25th through November 5th, I read uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Normal Christian Life, and you can refer back to those. But in this series of episodes, I'm going to read from the normal Christian life. And chapter 3 is where we open. Oh, my friends, we must live as those who know. We know Him. We know truth. This will be the most sure footing for us to fight the fight of faith, for us to advance the kingdom We must live, not in the soulish realm of feeling first, but we must live in the spirit realm where we live by who and what we know. And then let your feelings line up with the truth. So here we go. Take hold of this, listen to this, and let the truth of the gospel grip you at entirely new depths. And we continue on with chapter 4, reading from the classic, The Normal Christian Life, by Watchman Nee. The second step, even so, reckon. What does reckoning mean? Reckoning in Greek means doing accounts, bookkeeping. Accounting is the only thing in the world we human beings can do correctly. An artist paints a landscape. Can he do it with perfect accuracy? Can the historian vouch for the absolute accuracy of any record or the map maker for the perfect correctness of any map? They can make, at best, fair approximations. Even in everyday speech, when we try to tell some incident with the best intention to be honest and truthful, we cannot speak with complete accuracy. It is mostly a case of exaggeration or understatement of one word too much or too little. What then can a man do that is utterly reliable? Arithmetic. (laughs) There is no scope for error there. One chair plus one chair equals two chairs. That is true in London, and it is true in Cape Town. If you travel west to New York or east to Singapore, it is still the same. All the world over and for all time, one plus one equals two. One plus one is two in heaven and earth and hell. Why does God say we are to reckon ourselves dead? Because we are dead. Let us keep to the analogy of accounting. Suppose I have 15 shillings in my pocket. What do I enter in my account book? Can I enter 14 shillings and 6 pence or 15 shillings and 6 pence? No, I must enter in my account book that which is in fact in my pocket. Accounting is the reckoning of facts not fancies. Even so, it is because I am really dead that God tells me to account it so. God could not ask me to put down in my account book 
what was not true. He could not ask me to reckon that I am dead if I am still alive. For such mental gymnastics, the word reckoning would be inappropriate. We might rather speak of misreckoning. Reckoning is not a form of make-believe. It does not mean that having found that I have only 12 shillings in my pocket, I hope that by entering 15 shillings incorrectly in my account book, such reckoning will somehow remedy the deficiency. It won't. If I have only 12 shillings yet try to reckon to myself, I have 15 shillings, I have 15 shillings, I have 15 shillings, do you think that the mental effort involved will in any way affect the sum that is in my pocket? Not a bit of it. Reckoning will not make 12 shillings into 15 shillings, nor will it make what is untrue true. But if, on the other hand, it is a fact that I have 15 shillings in my pocket, then with great ease and assurance I can enter 15 shillings in my account book. God tells us to reckon ourselves dead. Not that by the process of reckoning we may become dead, but because we are dead. He never told us to reckon what was not a fact. Having said then that revelation leads spontaneously to reckoning, we must not lose sight of the fact that we are presented with a command. Reckon ye. There is a definite attitude to be taken. God asks us to do the account, to put down, I have died, and then to abide by it. Why? Because it is a fact. When the Lord Jesus was on the cross, I was there in him. Therefore, I reckon it to be true. I reckon and declare that I have died in him. Paul said, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. How is this possible? In Christ Jesus. Never forget that it is always and only true in Christ. If you look at yourself, you will think death is not there. But it is a question of faith not in yourself, but in Him. You look to the Lord and know what He has done. Lord, I believe in Thee. I reckon upon the fact in Thee. Stand there all the day. The Reckoning of Faith The first four and a half chapters of Romans speak of faith and faith and faith. We are justified by faith in Him, Romans 3.28, Romans 5.1. Righteousness, the forgiveness of our sins, and peace with God are all ours by faith. And without faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, none can possess them. But in the second section of Romans, we do not find the same repeated mention of faith. And it might at first appear that the emphasis is therefore different. It is not really so, however, for where the words faith and believe drop out, The word reckon takes their place. Reckoning and faith are here practically the same thing. What is faith? Faith is my acceptance of God's fact. It has always had its foundations in the past. What relates to the future is hope rather than faith. Although faith often has its object or goal in the future, as in Hebrews 11. Perhaps for this reason, the word chosen here is reckon. It is a word that relates only to the past, to what we look back to as settled and not forward to as yet to be. 
This is the kind of faith described in Mark 11:24. Quote, All things whatsoever ye pray and ask for, believe that you have received them and ye shall have them. Close quote. The statement there is that if you believe that you already have received your request, that is, of course, in Christ, then you shall have them. To believe that you may get something or that you can get it or even that you will get it is not faith in the sense meant here. This is faith, to believe that you have already got it. Only that which relates to the past is faith in this sense. Those who say God can or God may or God must or God will do not necessarily believe at all. Faith always says, God has done it. When, therefore, do I have faith in regard to my crucifixion? Not when I say God can or will or must crucify me, but when with joy I say, praise God in Christ, I am crucified. In Romans 3, we see the Lord Jesus bearing our sins and dying as our substitute that we might be forgiven. In Romans 6, we see ourselves included in the death whereby he secured our deliverance. When the first fact was revealed to us, we believed on him for our justification. God tells us to reckon upon the second fact for our deliverance, so that for practical purposes, reckoning in the second section of Romans takes the place of faith in the first section. The emphasis is not different. The normal Christian life is lived progressively, as it is entered initially by faith in divine fact, in Christ and His cross. Think upon these things, my friend. We will talk soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.